You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life. Come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O good one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome back, Andy Mitchell. Father Hezekiah, it is good to see you and good to see real bookshelves behind you. Yes, yes. These are real. This is honest to God, my office. I am now located in a faraway closet. Um, and for those that watched our recordings last couple of weeks and saw my fancy office I was in, that was a fake background. <laughs> we did get a um we did get a, a note from somebody. What are you using your funds at the ICC for that fancy office? To- it was a fake background because I was moving my office. Please, okay. I'm literally in a closet. I can. It was really a very realistic looking. Background. I got. I can very touch the wall here. I can touch the wall here. That's how big my office is. Welcome to my life, and uh, and yes, I'm not misusing your funds You're on a good uh, steward. Yeah. And we are good ICC stewards funds. here at the ICC, and uh, we are into Leviticus today on the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, which isn't so ordinary because, again, we're saying the gateway of Lent. Yes? Unbelievable. I mean, literally the the gateway because this Sunday is the last Sunday before Lent begins, and in the Byzantine tradition, it begins, well, Sunday evening. Yeah? Yeah. And this is the last day, of course, that we eat any dairy in our in the byzantine tradition the fast is a little bit different maybe we talk about that a little bit toward the end as we're talking about fasting today as a as an end piece to our leprosy part so let's get into leprosy and the book of leviticus fun yeah. fun fun chapter 13 give us our passages here annie for everybody yeah okay so our first reading as father was saying is leviticus chapter 13 we're reading verses 1 and 2 and then skipping to verses 44 through 46. The responsorial psalm is taken from Psalm 32. The gospel is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And the epistle, St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31 through chapter 11, verse 1. I repent of uh my recent new rule it's like i'm not skipping verses so the like you said leviticus is chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 and 44 through 46 so um it's skipping a whole bunch of verses in between and um i'll just show you why so let's open up here to leviticus chapter 13 verse 1 and take a look here the lord said to moses And Aaron, when a man has uh, on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the high priest, 
or the priest and to one of his sons, the priests, and now we skip. But verse 3 says, and the priest shall examine the diseased spot on the skin of his body, and if the hair is in the diseased spot has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of the body, it is a leprous disease. Basically, they're sparing us with the... Yeah. Stomach churning details. Yeah, look, verse 7, but if the eruption spreads in the skin, oh, look at verse 9, when a man stop. is afflicted, okay, and verse 18, when there is in his skin of one's body a boil that is, okay, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, this is like a, this is the doctor's, um, you know, handbook for the guy who's not a doctor, and he's like, I don't know, it's, I'm just a Levite, I... <laughs> Well, you got a spot on your forehead, you know, and God's like, okay, but here's what that means. If it's, if it's turning colors and like, you know, getting red around the edges, it's probably infected. So this is his cheat sheet to be able to be a doctor. Okay. Yeah. And that's what we're skipping is the cheat sheet and right to verse 44. Annie, go ahead and pick it up for us. Well, go ahead. We'll we'll use the, the, the lectionary text. And okay. read it through now, starting with verse 1 and 2, and then to 44 through 46. Go ahead, Amy. All right, here we go. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If someone has on his skin a scab or pustule or blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the priests among his descendants. If the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean, by reason of the sore on his head. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean since he is, in fact, unclean. All right. There we have it. So um, I think context yeah. is really important yeah, in this, this particular one, those, one. <laughs> this is one of those sundays thanks be to god <laughs> what he's gonna run around yelling unclean unclean i mean it's very that is not cool today right 2000 well, i don't know at work when i i went to work with i had covid like a really well, mild case of covid and whenever I would walk through the hall to go from um, my studio to like my office, I would go unclean, unclean <laughs> to make sure that people just only, like stayed clear of me. Yes, only at a good Catholic organization would this actually be funny. <laughs> actually, now that you mentioned COVID, it's true that we have a new experience of this that we would not otherwise. Before yeah. COVID, you would have been like, this isn't right. This is very judgmental, yeah. you know, as we read the book of Leviticus. So, uh, but now maybe we do have a new appreciation of this for what it's right. worth. It's and, quite sinful um, to catch COVID, as you know. Say it again. I said it's quite sinful to catch COVID, is it not? Right. Oh, yes. This is very, this is not, <laughs> not okay in uh, the church to catch COVID. <laughs> We'll All right, set the come on. Let's get to, aside. Let's, let's get, get to, to Leviticus. It. So, All give right. us the context here, Father. Yeah. What is it? Why? Why is this even in Leviticus? Well, the book of Leviticus is all about getting it right, and what is getting it right is the church. Okay, 
Um, the uh, we think as Christians, obviously, about the church being a a, a New Testament, uh, well, an invention of Jesus. I've talked a lot about that before. It certainly is not right. The 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 church, which ecclesia means gathering, the assembly of God, um, is a concept which stretches back to the very beginning of creation. Yes, because man is made in the image and likeness of God, who is a person uh, lives in a an assembly of persons and therefore we are made to be an assembly of persons right so adam and eve in the beginning formed the first church on earth in the image of the eternal church and it's all about restoring this reality on earth uh in which god walks in the cool of the day in the midst of his people dwells among us which is the entire purpose well say the purpose of creation or is our the fulfillment of creation is our communion with god yeah, a communion of persons in which we are gathered around the eternal church, right? The church gathered around the church, if you will. Leviticus is all about this because the Exodus was all about this, right? The whole point of the Exodus was to get God's people out of Egypt to worship God at Mount Sinai, yes? Right. Uh, and be formed there at Mount Sinai as a communion of persons in the image of likeness of of God surrounding the Lord and worshiping him, which is a fancy word of saying loving him, yeah, giving our life to him, and he giving his life to us. This is the whole purpose of the Exodus. But of course, all of this changed at the sin of the golden calf, which is when the book of Leviticus comes to comes to play. So if you've heard me talk about this aspect of the book of Leviticus before, you can just fast forward to this thing. But if for those that are new to the IACC or new to Sunday Gospel Reflections, I think we do well for a moment here in the book of Leviticus to go back and remind ourselves of what the book of Leviticus is all about. And we, we discover that not in the book of Leviticus, but we discover it in the book of Exodus, which contains the story of the golden calf. Let's just turn there to Exodus chapter 32 and notice from chapter 20 on Exodus chapter 20 has the the 10 commandments chapter 21 uh, uh sorry I skipped one ordinances chapter 22 if man steals Chapter 23, if a man lies, do you see, th this is the book of Leviticus before the book of Leviticus, right? These are the laws by which the people of God are to be governed in their relationship with one another and their relationship with God, yeah? Uh, but this all breaks down, this initial, this initial way of life breaks down with the sin of the golden calf in chapter uh, 32, when uh, you see there in verse 21 and verse uh, and so forth, well, verse 15 and following, there's your golden calf. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. you could go back, actually just read from chapter 32, verse one, really the sin of the golden calf. But then we need to know uh, some aspect of this. And that is that the worship of the calf God, the God Apis was a, was a, a pagan uh, ritual or the pagan worship among the Egyptians. As I've said before, quoting, I think it's Scott Hahn who said this. I don't know who said it. No, it's not. So it's, it's uh, somebody else. But it's harder to get 
Egypt out of Israel than Israel out of Egypt. It's easier to get Israel out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of Israel. I mean, they carried Egypt in their heart. Yeah. And this is fundamentally important to understand what then proceeds here in this book of Exodus, but also in the book of Leviticus. And that is, it's all about getting Egypt out of them. cleansing them of the way of life in Egypt so that they can gain the new way of life, which is the life of God among his people. And the the sin of the golden calf is at the center of this because it was a, it was a a cultic cult worship that was all about the um, participation of the firstborn in illicit, if you can understand my language for those children that are watching, I will be careful, illicit interactions between um god's people right and you can kind of catch that there in verse 6 chapter 32 verse 6 and they rose up early in the morning offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down and to eat and drink and rose up to quotation marks play yeah okay but who was it was involving themselves in this worship? Well, it was this, it was the cult of the firstborn in Egypt. Well, the firstborn of God's people were meant to be the priests and kings, the priest kings of, of his people. Yeah. The leader of the family, the father of the family was to lead his people in worship, his family in worship. And in this moment, they abandoned the worship of God and they began worshiping the false gods of Egypt. And in that moment, a major change took place in Israel because Moses comes down the mountain and says, what have you been doing, firstborn? Instead of worshiping God at Mount Sinai, which is what we're supposed to be doing here, loving the Lord, you began loving in ways you're not supposed to be loving. And uh, and uh, so and so what happens at this moment is that verse 25 When Moses saw that the people had broken loose for Aaron and let them break loose to their shame among the enemy, their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camps and who is on the Lord's side? Yes. And uh, come to me and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves to him. Why? Because we learn in Exodus chapter one. Am I right about that? I'm just guessing it's chapter one or chapter two verse. Yeah. Chapter two, verse one, chapter two, verse one of Exodus. You there? Open your Bible, Frank. I can see Frank, Mary, Joe. Get your Bible out. All right. Exodus chapter two, verse one. You see that? Moses is a Levite. So the Levites join him because they're his brothers and cousins, right? So at this moment now in chapter 32, verse 25 and following, the Le- the Moses' family joins him. And Moses says in verse 28, and the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, uh, the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And Moses said, today you Levites have ordained yourselves for the service, the worship, the service of the Lord. Yes, each one of you at the cost of his son and of his brother, that he may with bestow a blessing upon you this day, okay? And this is what, this is the moment. The Levitical priesthood comes in as a band-aid to solve a problem, and that is that God's people, as they were ordained to worship him, failed to do so. Now the Levites take over, yeah? Um, and when this happens, then the Levites need their own rule book, much like I've said the last couple of weeks regarding Deuteronomy, right? The second yeah, law yes. given. Well, mm-hmm. the second law is really the third law. It's really the tetra, 
autonomy yeah. or whatever it is. Right? <laughs> uh, so because the first law really is given in Exodus, the second law now really is Leviticus, in oh, which yeah. now God makes it more explicit. And then later on Deuteronomy, that problem that takes place there in Moab. So that's what the book of Leviticus is all about. Now, your question, Annie, was kind of generally about Leviticus. And I might, it's a long-winded way of answering. Well, it's all about this gathering at Sinai and the gathering, which will then tr- go across the, the desert, which is a gathering at the church of the Old Testament formed in the image and likeness of God and as living God's way of life. And his way of life is a way of love, self-giving by which I pour out my life to the other that they might live, which is the center of this problem with, with leprosy. Oh, okay. Well, you're transitioning straight into what I wanted to ask next, which what in the world, these rules for the Levitical priests, why is there any mention, like why does leprosy well, I guess actually, you know what? My first question is before that, or maybe I'll just combine the two. Yeah. What is this notion of being unclean just in general? And mm-hmm. then what and then on top of that, why is leprosy yeah. part Good. of it? Good. It's a great question. And it's a it's a question that uh say it's so contrary to our our modern sensibilities, right? Someone yeah. doesn't get sick because they're a sinner. Right. Well, actually, sins do make you sick, don't they? Oftentimes, mm-hmm. oftentimes we find that, uh, well, for example, sexual license comes with all sorts of problems. And, you know, whatever whatever the sin is, it tends to come with physical problems. And uh, so there is a connection between sin and sickness you say yeah father hezekiah but it doesn't go the other way around well yes it does now, hold on now i'm gonna get all the emails i'm sick and i didn't do anything wrong well yeah you're right but we are living in a fallen world and so we are the inheritors of a human nature which has all the marks of this reality of the sin of our first parents. So we may not be personally guilty of a sin. Nevertheless, our human nature is infected by the fact of the sin of our parents. And in fact, this oftentimes happens that sins do follow us. Now, I'm not going to go down the generational sin business because I completely reject that. But I will say that it does happen. The sins of a father oftentimes do redound upon the uh, the children because they see their father sinning and and they get used to that lifestyle, right? And so we are inheritors of the fall of our first parents. We've inherited a human nature which is dislocated in its in its birth, if you will, from its communion with God. And therefore, the, sin, the, the sicknesses which we endure have a spiritual content to them. We want to make sure that we're not dualists. And there's this, the, the physical life and the spiritual life are at, at odds with each other or distant from each other. They don't have any contact. No, they're, they're very much. And the Old Testament church understood this. And the New Testament church understands this too, by the way, which is why we baptize people. Yes, physically, right? Physically, we we wash people physically because it has a spiritual component to it. 
Yeah. yeah. And our spiritual component, cleansing, also has a physical component in that we are to enact a moral uh, a re- rectitude or a moral righteousness or right. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Right. A, a, a more an ethical life, which is in reflection of our cleansing of sin. Right. Go and sin no more. Go and live out your life physically in a way that reflects what has just taken place in your soul. So there is an intimate connection between these two. And the Church of the Old Testament certainly understood this. It was highlighted very much in the book of Leviticus. And this thing which I said earlier, and that is that the this assembly, this gathering, the camp that the person finds themselves in is not just a camp. It's a spiritual assembly. And the physical realities of that assembly ought to reflect the spiritual truths, yeah? And the relationship of a person within that community ought to be lived out in, as I just said, in love, right? In life-giving actions. Well, it turns out that leprosy is something that is contagious, right? And so the, 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 there's two components to this. Well, God wanted his people to be safe physically. And the only way to do that is by distance of this person. Now we all understand because of COVID, but there's more to it than that. And there's a spiritual reality that this person's participation in this community ought to be life-giving and leprosy is not that. Yeah. At least in that day, in that stage of life in our, in, in, in salvation history. Okay. So I got to give you an example of this understanding in the Old Testament that's going to take us one step further. They're really cool examples in the book of Ezekiel. So hold your Bibles there in the book of uh, Leviticus or wherever we were at and turn to the book of Ezekiel um, chapter. um, Oh, is it Ezekiel? I wrote it down. Ezekiel chapter 44. This is super cool. You're going to love this. Chapter 44. You're not going to get this anywhere else. I'm just going to tell you. 44, verse 15. Oh, I came across this like 20 some odd years ago. And I just, it's just too much. It's so good. Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 15. But the Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me. And they shall attend on me to offer me the fat and the blood, says the Lord God. Now, are you with me? Did I move too fast? Ezekiel, you were there? Ezekiel 44, verse 16 now. Ezekiel 44, 16. They shall enter my sanctuary and they shall approach my table to minister to me. They shall keep my charge. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments. They shall have nothing of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court and within. What? Why can't they wear wool? Maybe they're cold. Okay. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen breeches on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. I love this because why why should they not uh, have sweat on it? They can't even cause them sweat. Well, turn your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. 
verse. Oh, this is going. Yeah. Verse 17 in the curse of Adam at the fall. Chapter 3, verse 17. And Adam said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Sorry. And to Adam, he said, that is God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, command you, you shall not eat of it and curse to be the ground because of you and toil you shall eat of it in the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth through you and you shall eat the plants of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground out of which it was taken in your dust. Okay. And there it is. Sweat is a sign of the fall. Wow. Therefore, when the high priest enters into the Holy of Holies, or when the Levitical priest in general minister to the Lord, they are not to sweat lest they reveal fallen human nature in the assembly of God. No. No, because the assembly of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lives a life of perfect holiness. Wow. Yeah? And nothing that indicates the fall sin can enter into that. And so the whole community is to reflect this reality in the assembly, in the camp of, 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 of purity, right? Of And so now they are pushed out at a distance because now within the camp, they are to reflect in the image and likeness of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of. I know it's yeah. a long-winded way of going about it, and there's much to meditate upon here regarding how we live in the church today also and regarding healing and sickness today, which we'll have a talk, chance to talk about in our gospel reading. And there's, Annie, there's something related here for all of you that I'm going to bring up because we just celebrated the feast of the presentation of the Lord in the temple. Oh, sure. In And I, I don't know if you had a chance to go back and watch the talk I did on this feast day uh, called mine eyes mine eyes have seen thy salvation, salvation. mine mm -hmm. eyes have seen i don't know what the top title was but anyways it's there mine if you type that in m-i-n-e you're gonna find it mine or eyes. google or yeah. search for simeon i searched for simeon and found it on, on our website yeah oh there you go so okay anyways the feast of the presentation lord in the temple is also called the feast of the purification of the mother of God, right? Yeah. Going back and, and this whole feast in, we were looking at Luke chapter two, verse 22 and following, if my memory serves me correct, is rooted back in Leviticus uh, chapter 12. Am I right? Chapter 12, Leviticus chapter, yes, Leviticus chapter 12. So let's turn there very quickly. And I think these things, you know, the Ezekiel text and this text can kind of help us understand this a little bit better. The Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the, uh, the flesh of, the, of his foreskin shall be uncircumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purifying. She shall not touch any hallowed thing nor come in the sanctuary until the days are purifying or completed. Now, some of you are so offended by this, but again, there's a natural level to this in which the in which they didn't have modern medicine and they've got blood and they're concerned about contamination to protect her and to protect the people around her. But there's a spiritual component about this also. And this is what upsets people even today in the traditional prayers of the church for the churching of a woman 
after she has had a child, she comes to the doors of the church, kneels down at the doors of the church, and the priest prays prayers of purification and the cleansing of sin. And this sometimes upsets people. Now, many of you might be like, what does he do? Yes, actually, in the traditional liturgy, in the old, you know, in the extraordinary form, I actually don't know the person's extraordinary form, but I'm telling you it's going to be the same. As in the Byzantine tradition, this happens. When the woman comes to the door, she kneels down and she prays for God's forgiveness. And, the, and then he prays prayers of absolution over her before she enters back into the church. Yeah? Why? Because she sinned in giving a birth to a child? No! But because in Genesis chapter 3... It says that a woman will bear a child in pain. And so the birth of a child now has the characteristic, it bears the characteristic of fallen human nature. And because of that, the woman participating in this reality of our fall seeks forgiveness for herself who lives in a state which is unacceptable to the communion of God. I hope that makes sense, not because the church hates the woman, but because the church loves the woman and wants the woman and the man and all of humanity to eschew the fall of Adam and Eve. And when we participate in this reality because of our fallen human nature, whether it's because we became sick from a cold or because we had a baby or God forbid we had cancer, we come to the church and pray for God's forgiveness that we might be restored in body and soul to the communion of God. And it's time that we get over our modern sensibilities and restored in our mind and our soul to the thought of God and the biblical concept of purification. Now, you're not going to get many priests commenting on this (laughs) aspect, but uh, we'll see how the homilies go this Sunday regarding the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, for real. Uh, For the record, I've been churched four times. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. They're really moving. They're really moving. And because I moved my office, I can't find my books, and I would pull out the Prayers for churching of a woman in the Byzantine tradition, but it's not over here. Mm. There it is. Oh, no, it's not. Nice. It looks the same, but it's not the same book. I'm sorry. Anyways, you can look it up. Traditional, extraordinary form, churching of a woman. And don't be offended by those prayers. 2,000 years, he's been handed on. And it's for us to conform ourselves to that which has been handed on rather than make up our own religion. And honestly, we should feel pretty privileged because men don't get that prayer, you know? That's right. It's It sets That's us right. apart. We get those purification prayers, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, turn to I turn to you, Lord, in time of trouble, and you fill me with the joy of salvation. I mean, I think you you just said it right there, how how our diseases, our sicknesses, anything— in our sins to the Lord. Notice, blessed is he whose, whose fault is taken away, whose sin is covered. Blessed the man to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Then I acknowledge my sin to you. My guilt is covered not. And there's, Lord, heal me here in my body and my soul, right? And, and it's only in admitting that, in, in revealing myself before the Lord and saying, hey, this is the state I'm in. 
I'm leprous and I need to be healed, that the Lord will then begin to act in our life. And realizing that we are far from his assembly and we want to be brought back into it. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Let's take a look at, at this gospel given to us today. I bet no one can guess what this story is going to be about. Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. I'm no. sure everyone it's, can guess. <laughs> it's the whole, this, you know, actually the book of Leviticus is a great background to the work of Jesus, right? As he, as he oh. goes and, and brings the healing, which, which the old Testament church sorely needed. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Mark chapter one, we're starting in verse 40 today. Let me know when you're ready, father. Yeah. Mark chapter one. Verse 40. Verse 40. Okay. I'm there. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I do will it be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. Then, warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for him. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places. And people kept coming to him from everywhere. All right. So first of all, just remind us what's what's been happening in Mark. And I've really been enjoying this, you know, lining it up with Luke and Matthew. So could you do that for us again today? Yeah, I was kind of looking at that. Actually, I flipped over to, at least I looked over to Matthew and I was just kind of looking at it here. It's very interesting that there's a healing of a leper in Matthew that is not mentioned in Mark, or at least the order of events is different. Um, but I, uh, when we see the, the order of events is different, it's oftentimes because there's multiple healings that take place that follow a similar pattern, right? There's a leper, he hears this guy can cleanse him, and what's he going to do? He's going to be like, hey, I want to be healed. And Jesus then touches him and says, you're clean, right? That, that probably happened, but, you know, couple hundred times in Jesus's ministry. So mm -hmm. um, so the stories oftentimes repeat and it looks like they're in a different pattern or different, they, oh, he got it wrong. No, it's probably because there's multiple healings. So here in the gospel of Matthew, we can take a look at verse 23. Well, you'll see at verse 18 and following is the calling of the fishermen. Verse 23, he went about all Galilee teaching the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, and it, then it says uh, in verse 24 that he healed all these people, right? With pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, he healed them. And then chapter 5, he goes up to give the Sermon on the Mount. So we'll bring up here again the Mount of uh, Beatitudes. You can see the place here along the Sea of Galilee where the Mount of Beatitudes takes place as teaching where Jesus loved to go up and teach. And this particular time that is brought out in Matthew is not brought out strongly here, at least at this point. I mean, I can guarantee you Jesus went up on the Mount on the Mount of Beatitudes many times because as the crowds gathered, he had to get to a place where they could listen to him. And the Mount of Beatitudes, the churches, you'll see the churches up here on the top, 
okay but the traditional place where this where the preaching took place was not the top of the mountain it was down along the side where there is a natural amphitheater and most likely jesus taught not from the top of the hill but from below the people so that the wind coming off the sea of galilee would carry his voice up and thousands of people could gather and hear him teaching and he gathered that we know he got he he visited there go go to the mount where you've been directed to go after the resurrection right well that's the mount of beatitudes is most most likely um and so uh jesus loved to go there but here we see in matthew chapter 5 chapter 6 chapter 7 is all Jesus's teaching. And if we just keep our hand there and flip over to Mark, we'll see in verse 39, chapter 1, verse 39, and he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons, right? Yep. And then we're going to get verse 40. He's going to cleanse this leper. Now I'm going to keep my hand there and flip back to Matthew chapter 8. Actually, look at chapter 7, verse 28, when Jesus finished these teachings. That's the Mount of Beatitudes, right? And the follow teachings following. In verse chapter 8, verse 1, when he came down from the mountain, and you're coming down from the mountain is like literally a 10 to 15 minute walk, 20 minute walk to Capernaum. It's right there. So he comes down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So here's this cleansing of the leper. But in verse 5, he enters Capernaum. And um, uh, and, and then uh, uh, he heals the paralyzed guy, right? Yeah. In verse 14, Jesus enters Peter's house and he heals the mother-in-law in verse 14. So you've got in Matthew... You've got the Mount of Beatitudes. You've got a hens, cleansing of the leper, and then you have the cleansing of, or the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. But look at Mark, chapter one, verse twenty-nine and thirty is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, and then in verse forty, the healing of the leper. You see that they're switched. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's. Why? Because he's healing lepers all over the place. <laughs> That's why it's what's going on. So the the Mark leper guy probably heard from the maybe, other leper guy. Maybe the mother-in-law was very sickly. Maybe she got sick again. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's possible. Who I mean, knows? one of my favorite healings of Jesus is when he heals the guy who's blind and the guy can't quite see. So he goes and does it again. It's does like he it didn't again, like yeah. work the first time. <laughs> so anyways, no, I think mother the mother-in-law is good to go. But, uh, but that we have multiple uh, cleansing here that takes place that's where we're at you know we might as well for a moment here though see that uh in verse chapter 2 verse 1 i'm sorry verse verse 45 verse 45 chapter 1 verse 45 but he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread all the news so that jesus could no longer uh openly enter the town but was in the country and came and people came to him from every quarter. So then Jesus will go on around. Then he goes back to Capernaum. So I want you to get a sense of this. You've got, we're going to pull up here now, this big picture. You can see the Sea of Galilee. You can see Capernaum. You can see Tabga. You can see the Mount of Beatitudes. This is the area Jesus loved to, to go into. And uh, this is where I love to spend. We spend a lot of our time 
uh, when we go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land right here, just walking back and forth and going and seeing all this stuff. It's amazing. But I hope you get a sense of the of the space here that Jesus is walking in and where he encounters this leper. Okay, there it is. Here's your comparison. Okay, now I am really intrigued by the fact that the leper says, if you wish, you can make me clean. He doesn't say, if you wish, you can heal me. If you wish, you can get rid of this leprosy. No, he says, if you wish, you can make me clean. Why would the fact, why would the, the cleanliness aspect of this or the uncleanliness aspect of this matter to the leper and why would it matter to jesus well i i you know annie i honestly i don't know what you're what you're going for here except that what we just said in leviticus is that that there was not there was we they were not dualists they had us intimate understanding of the connection between sickness and sin yeah and again i'll say it again so i don't get hate emails not because of a personal guilt but because of an, a, a world which is sick. And now God is encountering this sick world. Yeah, they understood the fact that they lived in a world that was in need of healing and that they, were, they bore the marks of this reality. And so the cleansing of the person, this isn't just because they're Neanderthals, okay? And they just don't really understand science and they really don't understand sin. And so they got all confused because they're dumb. No, trust me, they're all smart, smarter than a lot of people today. So I hope the explanation of Leviticus helps with that. It's just this, this, this easy movement between cleanse, cleanliness, between, between, and we understand that too, cleanliness, like physical cleanliness and physical sickness. We understand that connection. You don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities right? You don't wash. Then when you get scratched, you're going to get infected. They understood that. And they understood that connection between that reality and our fallen world. Is that, I don't know if you want to go further than that, Annie. Well, could I offer just a thought and tell me if I'm on the right track or not? I mean, I was thinking about it. I guess what I was reflecting on here is that if he's clean, he's allowed to enter into the worship of God with the people of God. Yes. And and I that's that was kind of my oh yeah reflection well, on the matter. This is but and this is again so so offensive to our modern ears that this person would be outside of the of the gathering outside of the church unable to engage in the worship of the community and just like, oh that's terrible that's so judgmental See, no, because they understood this, that man is a body-soul composite. Their cleanliness, right, their, their, is connected with their holiness. So I, I wrote it down, Psalm 24. Look, look back there for a moment. Uh, keep your hand there and mark. Psalm 24. Let's see, Psalm 24. Verse 3. Psalm 24, verse 3. You got it there, Annie? Yep. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? That's Jerusalem. And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. 
who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Okay. So again, this connection between the cleansing of the hands, right? And the cleanliness of the soul understood. But of course, Jesus is now going to break all of this apart in this moment because while this is true, when God enters into the scene, a new reality, a new ingredient is bestowed upon this situation that man finds himself in. And that is that man is no longer the alpha male. I'm just coming up. I don't know why we use that. He's, he's no longer the one who is the exuder of a reality, right? Man who is sick now makes others sick. For one more powerful than him is present. Yeah? When God enters the scene, he is the one who extends himself to others and now becomes the source of purification, right? Yeah. And so we have this in Matthew chapter 23, if we want to flip back over there, because Jesus crosses a line in this in this gospel of Mark in this moment and invites the Old Testament church to reflect upon, to, to grow in their understanding of this relationship between the body and the soul. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, he goes after the Pharisees. Uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 23, flip over there. Let me know when you're there, Annie. I'm there. Verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside you are full of extortion and rapacity. You blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the plate, and that the outside also may be clean. And so Jesus now calls them out for what they're doing, and that is that they're that that while they're doing all the exterior rituals, which they're going to attack Jesus for not doing. They're not cleansing what is really the cause of their illness, the cause of their of their separation from God. And so now Jesus does what no righteous Jew would ever have done. And that is he crosses the Levitical law. And he reaches out and touches, touches yeah. this leper in, 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 instead of standing back. Right, there's healings of leprosy in the Old Testament. Moses uh, and so forth heal the lepers, but from a distance. Jesus reaches his hand out because now is the hand not of man who's going to, not only, this is the hand of man, but not only the hand of man, but it's the hand of God. And now that hand is going to do what only God does, and that is love, pouring out his life to those who are pouring out their life to him. Yeah. No longer is the leper sharing his life with leprous life with the community. It is God who is loving the, the one who is sick and therefore sharing his life, right. And bringing yeah. healing. So the fathers of the church, I got to share with you three quotations. The first is from origin. He says, and why did he touch him since the law forbade the touching of a leper? 
He touched him to show that all things are clean to the clean. Because the filth that is in one person does not adhere to others, nor does external uncleanliness defile the clean of heart. So he touched him. So I love, I love the fathers like this. Okay. So he touches him in his untouchability hmm. that he might instruct us in humility, that he might teach us that we should despise no one or abhor them or regard them as pitiable because of some wound of their body or some blemish for which they might be called to render an account. So stretching forth his hand to touch, the leprosy immediately departs. The hand of the Lord is found to have touched not a leper, but a body made clean. Let us consider here, beloved, if there be anyone here that has the taint of leprosy in his soul or the contamination of guilt in his heart. If he has instantly, if he has instantly adoring God, let him say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This is so beautiful here at the beginning of our Lenten journey um, to reflect upon this reality of the leprosy of the soul and what Jesus is coming to do. Remember last week, we talked about how the Lord, or maybe the week before and last week, how the Lord goes in his first act at, uh, after his baptism, drives out demons, right? How his ministry is a cosmic ministry. He goes to water and restores it to its true nature. He confronts the de demons and drives them out of man, right? So here he finds man there. In a sense, you could say, with the demons driven out and man laying with all the wounds of the battle which has happened, with the war over his soul. And now in the leprosy of our state, yeah? And now Jesus begins cleansing his, uh, his society, right? He, he is the Messiah. He is the king of this kingdom. And now whatever he, he goes in now surveying his kingdom, he does what the king is supposed to do. And that is set his, his, the economy in order, right? That's what, let's talk in American terms, right? What's the president sure. supposed to do? He says, I'll put it in order so it all thrives and it's doing well, right? If he does that, he's going to be reelected, right? Yeah. And so this is what he does. He surveys his, his kingdom and he sees where it's out of order, right? Eyes that are supposed to see, can't see and legs that are supposed to walk aren't walking and uh, people that are supposed to be healthy aren't healthy. And he, bring, he brings healing to all of that. And so why am I saying that? Um, uh, I, I don't know, but, it, but, but going back to the book of Leviticus, the gathering of God's people, this is what Jesus is doing. He's restoring the church. And going back to your point, Annie, he's restoring this person that he might worship again. That's the most important thing. Uh, one who is physically unable is now made to be body and soul in communion with God. Yeah, and that's uh, and so I'm really glad you brought that up earlier. And I think I kind of went away from it, but I think you struck the very center of what all this is about um, in Jesus's ministry. Saint John Chrysostom, are you ready for this? Okay. He did not simply say, I will be cleansed to the leper, that is. But he also extended his hand and touched him, an act we do well to analyze. If he cleansed him merely by willing it and by speaking it, why did he also add to the touch of his hand? For no other reason, it seems to me, 
than that he might signify by this that he is not under the hand of the law, but the law is in his hands. Hence, uh, this, is a, this is a really beautiful point. Hence, to, I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Hence, to the pure in heart, from now on, nothing is impure. He touched the leper to signify that he heals not as servant, but as Lord. For the leprosy did not defile his hand, but his holy hand cleansed the leprous body. And this, this is what the law was all about, right? The law was that we would live the life of God, not the life of Egypt, the dominion of the devil. And so this is what Jesus now gives us back. And of course, the life of God, as I said before, is the life of love. And as Annie pointed out, that's what this whole cleansing is all about. It's about worship. It's about our love of God and the restoration of man to this reality. Okay, I got to I got to give you one more, Annie, unless you wanted to jump in on that. No, please. Okay, St. Ephraim. Oh. My favorite. Oh, good. If you are willing, you can cleanse me. So he stretched out his hand. In this stretching out of his hand, he seemed to be abrogating the law. For it is written in the law that whoever approaches a leper becomes impure. He showed by this action that nature was good in that he repaired its defect. And I want to capitalize on this insight of St. Ephraim. It's very important. The law, and this is where the Pharisees didn't get, and we're going to come, we're going to start hitting this really hard as we go through this gospel. What the Pharisees missed was the entire purpose of the law, and that was to bring about life. And Jesus perfects the law. Jesus brings it to fulfillment in doing what the law was meant to do, but was unable to do on its own. Jesus himself is the law, because, is a fulfillment of the law because he is the will of God walking in the flesh. Yeah, what he does in his very action fulfills the law in that way, yeah? So what the, all of these Levitical laws about leprosy, all of this was all for the purpose that this person would be restored to the worship of God, and this person would be healed. And this is exactly what Jesus uh, brings about here. Annie, any other questions about this gospel? No, I'd uh, like to transition to... Oh, no, Annie, 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 you missed the most important verse. No, it's not the most important verse, my one of my favorites, though. Oh, okay, please. It's at, at the end of this passage. He said to him, see that you... Well, I flipped over to Matthew. Oh, I that's right. I was going to ask you about this. Yes. I got so distracted by the church fathers. Yeah. Jesus tells him, don't tell anybody. And then yeah. he does. So why is Jesus, first of all, saying, don't tell anybody? And why yeah, verse 43. listen to him? Chapter 1, verse 43. He sternly charged him and sent him away. And he sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said, instead of, see that you say nothing to anyone. So this is brought out very beautifully by Bargel Pixner. Okay, now if you don't know oh. Bargel Pixner, yeah. you're missing out. Bargel Pixner is book on Jesus uh, in Galilee. Jesus, something like that in Galilee. Or if you want a more academic approach is his book, Paths of the Messiah. A little bit more difficult read, but it's also very good. But he brings this out. And I mean, when I realized this, it was like a key that unlocked the whole thing, which is why I'm always talking about what's going on behind the scene to understand. And gospel marks that come out very strong in this way. But uh, why does he tell him not to see, say anything to anybody? Because already there are so, there, the crowds are starting to form, right? Look at, 
verse chapter 1 verse 28 and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of galilee right mm-hmm. oh well the very end of our reading today it talks about um people kept coming to him from everywhere yeah yeah the, exactly from every quarter well who's going to be concerned about this not only jesus is going to be concerned about it but herod and the pharisees who are going to get into coots very, very soon in this gospel. So Jesus wants it to, at the beginning. He doesn't say this, right? He doesn't say, he doesn't say, uh, you know, to Peter's mother-in-law, please just don't tell anybody. Right. I mean, there's people crowding around. There's thousands of people streaming into Capernaum now, as we're going to see very shortly is he's going to have to go out on a boat to teach because he just, there's no room for him left on the land. People can't hear him. And so in order to avoid getting arrested, and yet, I mean, look, we're still in chapter one of this gospel, but uh, it's right there. He says, shh, don't tell anybody, because it's getting out of control. And if it gets any more out of control, then Jesus is going to get arrested. And he can't get arrested in Galilee because he's got to be crucified in Jerusalem. So I'm going to say this about 4,000 times between now and the end of this gospel. uh, This is what's going on. But here's the first indication. In this gospel, that Jesus's ministry is not accepted by everyone. And now there begins to form the story beyond the story, the story outside of the story or the group outside of Jesus's group. And that group has a different mask on or a different look on their face at what's going on here. And we'll have to take a look at that as we move forward in our study together. Okay, Annie. Cool. Well, now. I think we can transition to the epistle. Yes, we can. I was just thinking, you know, as he makes this leper clean, here's my transition point. He makes the leper like him, right? Makes him clean, makes him pure, makes him an imitator of Christ, like St. Paul is telling us to do in the epistle. That's right. You like that transition? That is is exact. That's beautiful, Annie. First (laughs) Corinthians chapter 10. Verse yep. 31, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, one of my favorite chapters, and uh, in which uh, St. Paul begins the chapter by talking about baptism. And in verse verse 31 is the church's way of saying, Ash Wednesday is coming. Yeah. And so here we go. Let's go. All right. Brothers and sisters. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Avoid giving offense, whether to the Jews or Greeks or the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in every way, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. There you have it. So uh, obviously this whole thing about cleanliness is now transformed by our reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to focus upon food, yeah? Um, And the church places this before us because the question of food is placed before us. So let's have it out for a moment because you and I are all leprous, sick sinners, and we need the healing of God. And the church in her wisdom um, has always prescribed in these days to come fasting from food. 
Um, not because food is somehow unclean, right? You can read Acts chapter 10. Um, what God has has made clean cannot be called unclean in the house of Cornelius in the story of St. Peter's visitation of Cornelius. Uh, but because the misuse of the created order is oftentimes or always the downfall of man because the created order is meant to reveal God, Romans chapter 1. And the church in her wisdom, the fathers of the church, the great saints of the church in their wisdom, knew that food is one of those things that is oftentimes disconnected from its communion with God as a gift of God and is consumed uh, for our own satisfaction and for the sustaining of our natural life apart from our realization of the gift of God. And this is in fact what took place in the fall. Yeah, in Genesis chapter 3 is the consumption of food apart from its it's 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 gift of God's life and the gift that it is a gift from God. Yeah, this is the and I would encourage you to read a book that talks about fasting a lot, and that is Father Alexander Schmemann's book Great Lent, which we sent out last year at the ICC. Quite a few resources for, and we'll be sending out more stuff on fasting coming up. But I'll I'll just say, guys, we're sick. We need to be healed of this sickness, and the Church, in her wisdom, says that the beginning of that healing will take place through fasting coupled with prayer. And so uh, this Ash Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is a day of fasting on which we're not to eat meat in the Roman Catholic Church and the Fridays of Lent, yes. But I would encourage you to consider your fast throughout Lent. Now, Father Hezekiah is radical a little bit. I understand this. However, um, uh, you know, you're saying, I can't not eat meat all during Lent. I have certain dietary restrictions. Your great-grandmother lived to 120 years old, and she didn't eat meat during Lent, all right? Uh, she fasted a lot more serious than we did. And besides that, if you really can't fast at all, you can fast from television and the radio and the stupid phone, yes? Um, and uh, get yourself ready to call out to the Lord to be healed. So I would encourage you in that way, not because there's something wrong with, with, with food, which is why on Easter you get to eat it all because it's been re, your life has been reorganized so that everything is back in communion with God. And you can receive now the things of this, this, the created order in the right way and say, thank you, Jesus, for this gift of life, which you've given to me in so many varied forms which is the whole purpose of this Lenten season, to get that back in order and realize our priorities again in our communion with God. Not because God needs our fasting, but because we need our fasting. That's why. And I would suggest giving up meat all during Lent. And if you really want to take it to another level, you can give, give up dairy during Lent. Uh, you can turn off the radio in your car. You can turn off the television. Father Joseph Francovilla, my, my mentor, used to throw a, a, a white... Uh, sheet over his or towel over his television during Lent as a reminder to himself, not now, not good for me right now. And trust me, nothing's gonna be changed. You're gonna wake up on 
Easter, you know, turn your television on, God forbid. And guess what? Same old thing. Donald Trump is going to be the worst thing that ever happened. Joe Biden will also be the worst thing that ever happened. Exactly. And the Democrats are going to hate the Republicans. They're going to hate the Democrats. And guess what? The war in the Holy Land is still going to be happening because it's been going on for 2,000 years. And uh, so so this is just, we can set those things aside and get serious about our Lenten journey. That's my encouragement to all of you. May God bless you all. Uh, as we enter into this journey of great Lent and uh, all place ourselves under the cloak of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and ever and into ages and ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.